welcome to the Worldly Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Luke. Today we're bringing you a conversation with Hannah who works in the luxury fashion industry and there are some real golden nuggets of information in this conversation, specifically about luxury fashion but also about fashion more broadly. So let's dive right in. Welcome Hannah. Hey. Hi Hannah. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for coming on our podcast. It's lovely to have you. Yeah, it's great. Welcome. So in true Holly style, I will give my own introduction to Hannah and then she will correct all of that and make herself sound super profesh. So Hannah and I have known each other since our very first day of Freshers Week at university when we were put as next door neighbours in our corridor and halls. And ever since then, we have been great friends. We have shared many a holiday, countless conversations about life. And we're still going with those ones. And I've seen Hannah go from a passion that she had at university to seeing it all the way through to some super snazzy jobs in luxury fashion. Fab, yeah. That kind of sums it up. Only that we we actually got disappointed when you turned up because we really wanted you to be a cute boy. Uh, But it turns out I think we got one better. Just to confirm, when I turned up at uni, I thought you meant this evening for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, actually, yes, I was disappointed that a cute boy did not join us this evening. So, Hannah, now that we've had the Holly-style intro, would you like to give us uh, a little bit of an introduction to your background and a little bit about what you're doing now professionally? Sure. So, um, intro to my work background uh, is probably, as Holly said, so I was very lucky when I was a teenager uh, to be able to live in New York from the age of about 11 to 16. And on our way to school, we actually walked up Madison Avenue on the Upper East Side, which meant that I got to sort of pass all of the fashion designers every morning. Um, And I absolutely fell in love with this luxury fashion world. I just found it so exciting. And then at the same sort of time, uh, I think my mum, who liked to read her self-help book, she probably would have loved this podcast, was reading some book about how important it is to find your passions and and work at something you're passionate about, which is something I still hold very, very dear. And so she really was trying to get my sister and I to think about what are those things that we're passionate about um, and, and how can we kind of dig into those a bit more and maybe consider making them part of our career. Uh, So since then, I knew I loved this luxury fashion world and I just wanted to work in it. But it actually took a lot of kind of trial and error and really like badgering any poor person I met to see if they knew anybody who worked in luxury fashion who I could then badger a bit more to get, you know, an unpaid internship at that time. I think the industry is actually much better at not doing that so much anymore. So it's now uh, meant that I've done all sorts in the luxury industry from being a sales associate uh, to PR to marketing and to operations to opening stores. uh, And I'm currently involved in retail strategy. I love it. So it's all really thanks to your mum's book. Yeah, whatever she was reading, I should actually know what it was. So Hannah, you mentioned that you um, have had a breadth of experience in fashion and you've had a number of different roles do you have any sort of key observations of the current landscape of fashion like have things evolved and changed drastically over sort of the time that you've been working in in fashion particularly luxury fashion are there kind of big things that you think the fashion industry is paying attention to or ought to be paying attention to 
one thing about luxury fashion is even though the brands are very staid and stable in some way, it's an incredibly fast-paced industry, you know, like you're always jumping on the bandwagon of something that's happening um, and you're always trying to keep up with the person you know, next to you, Dior will do something and we're like, oh my God, we have to, we have to make sure that we um, are doing something similar because you do have this real luxury fashion consumer um, that has an incredibly high expectation actually of the luxury industry. And I think that's uh, really positive for the industry itself because it does mean that we have to hold ourselves to that higher standard for our customers, whether that's with service, with sustainability, let's say, with the quality of products that we produce. Uh, so that's actually a beautiful thing about the luxury industry. And I think, I think fashion that's not luxury uh, experiences the same kind of speed, uh, but they're probably not held to as high an account, which I realise doesn't actually answer your question at all. So how has the um, industry changed? Yeah. <laughs> Could you just expand on what sustainability looks like in the luxury fashion industry? I mean, sustainability is funny because actually it's so, so broad when it comes to fashion. And as you guys probably be well aware of, I think fashion is like the worst offender when it comes to being unsustainable, to use that word too many times. Particularly, I've been looking to fast fashion a lot recently and just mm. to be honest terrifying myself and kind of made like a few personal pledges to avoid fast fashion because on kind of every level fast fashion in particular is terrible but at this point I feel like what you're saying is we can't lump luxury and fast fashion together. From my perspective there's a potential for a real clash here because when I hear the words sustainability I do not think luxury fashion and I do not think fashion more broadly to be really honest it's not something that i think oh there's room for sustainability there because of the stories that you hear and the models that you know that some brands use or have used historically so there are some from my point of view we're talking about issues of well-being particularly the well-being of ourselves but the well-being of the planet there are some real issues when it comes to the fashion industry that that are, are hard to reconcile with sustainability Oh, a hundred percent. And I've actually had conversations with colleagues in in the cafeteria where where we kind of say, "Gosh, you know, if we actually look at any, this is even luxury fashion, which out of as you just said, out of the lot is standing in the best position." But when you look at like a current business model, and I'll go, I'll talk a little bit about some things that that luxury brands are doing to be more sustainable. But at the end of the day, to make the same money that we made the year before and grow on that, which is what you always have to do for shareholders, according to the current model, you then still have to produce as much or more than you're producing the year before. And actually, that is one of the cruxes of the issue when it comes to sustainability. So so actually, I think there will come a time when the fashion industry is going to have to change the way that it makes money, actually looking at different avenues uh, to make that same amount of money that they've been making before. There are a lot of things happening with kind of giving things um, kind of a second life. Uh, so there's a lot of upmarket luxury, small companies that are coming out that you you bring your old clothing items to, and they completely revive them and make them almost new. And then every luxury company, for example, will have some form of aftercare where you can care for your products and sort of make them last longer and look after them 
I know the company I work for, for example, is currently investing a lot in that because that is an avenue for making money. Previously, you'd spend more time focused on having people buy new things. I think now it will be considered part of the actual offering and an alternative way to make a sale in in a different way. When you think of fashion and sustainability right now, there's a lot that's being done, but it's an industry that I think is going to have to change in many ways. And it's exciting. It it forces us to innovate. Um, We're never not going to have fashion. Because I guess as well, like, from the other perspective and you know we don't want to be I, I don't want to sound like like oh my gosh it's awful and it all needs to be in the bin and destroy it all because actually there's some real beauty and creativity that comes from the fashion industry um, and I'm thinking of that there are a couple of see, like iconic scenes in The Devil Wears Prada where Miranda's talking about fashion with such passion mm-hmm. um, and then you're thinking about later in, in the book and the film where Andy is is talking about the types of writers that well-known publications of like fashion magazines get in and it's not just about the, the pretty clothes but rather that actually there's real creativity and artistry and I'm thinking of some of the designers that I love that I don't necessarily buy from but artists like Issey Miyake from Japan where their their creations are just stunning. I'm not entirely sure how practical it would be for me to wear on the tube, but you know, there's an element of beauty in that. There's artistry yeah. that I don't think, I think it would be a disservice to see that be thrown away. Yeah, but I do think that one of the beautiful things is that actually where we may see a lot more of investment is actually preserving those beautiful pieces. I wanted to say something about that, Han. You can pop in afterwards. Um, I always remember about you from the beginning of uni was thinking that, politely, this girl has quite a limited wardrobe, but she has very well curated items that she likes, that she's invested in those rather than having a hundred white t-shirts or rather than having four dresses that she may or may not wear. She's got one dress that she really loves that will last. There is a culture now of a new outfit every time you do something of having multiple versions of the same thing. And they all fall apart because they're not good quality. And now I'm harping on about fast fashion I like to think that my wardrobe was curated at, what, when did I meet you? 18. I look back at some of those pictures and it was a shambles. I think there are some really good examples as well of of higher end fashion that perhaps doesn't fall into the luxury bracket that provides some of those staples that people need and wear all the time um, that are sustainable and and are more accessible. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking of the jeans that I have are from a brand called Mud Jeans, Ooh. and they have a recycling program, and they have a you can rent them instead of paying for them, to, and then you can exchange them later for a, a newer pair when they're older and they need to be, and they take them back and recycle them into new jeans. But I've not had to even do that yet, and I've had a pair of jeans for years. So there, there are these really exciting new models that show that fashion is evolving. Um, and that it is accessible. I think often the rhetoric that I get from people, uh, and it's certainly justifiable rhetoric, I think historically, is that sustainable fashion or uh, long-lasting fashion, whichever bracket it falls into, whether it's luxury or whether it's another ty- another type of fashion, is expensive and, and unaffordable. But I get frustrated that even people who are switched on with other social justice issues will still quite happily go to a certain well-known large department store and buy a pair of socks for 25p or whatever it is. They don't last. And mm. they're also made in appalling conditions in parts of the world that we've never heard of, or at least choose not to hear of. And for me, that's a real conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think 
a lot of it as well is actually just your mindset around buying clothes and how many clothes you have and where you get them from. Your first step is probably to kind of change that mindset and and start by thinking how how little can I live with? So kind of stage one is reduce. Yeah, yeah. Well, not even reduce. It's just use what you have. Mm. You know, got loads of even me, who as Holly said, I have tried to be like conscious in what I buy and not buying too much. And I've still got a wardrobe full of things that I don't wear very often. So the first step is almost to go through. I mean, I love a wardrobe clear out to go through your wardrobe and see what's there and try using those things like maybe don't buy something for a month or two months and see how it goes um and then you'll be more aware and I think speaking to that as well I've realized that over lockdown I think many people might be able to empathize with this is uh, or rather relate to this is that some of us have been going to physical offices less or we've been going out less so we've reduced the the desire the need you know I would go days without you know I'd wear the same outfit which is something I would never you know when I was back working in media and advertising when I first moved to London it was a constant struggle to think of how can I wear something different today and and no one really cared I cared but no one else cared but now I'm like well okay I'm go that same pair of jeans today that are super comfortable because I've been wearing them for four days now and they just like fit perfectly and they're really really comfy because it doesn't matter I feel like that's a lesson that I've taken out of lockdown as well. It's like, mm-hmm. well, of course I want to wear nice things and I want to I want to look and feel good and I want to be comfortable in what I'm wearing, but do I need to have a different outfit for every single set, you know, every different event or every different day of the week um, and have that on, you know, uh, the ability to change things all the time? Probably not. Another nice tip, I'm going to name drop a few places here. From my experience, the stigma of secondhand has been thoroughly pushed aside, I'd say, in the last couple of years. And so, first of all, sharing with friends, I know it's a really obvious thing to say, but it's that, what's that expression? One man's trash is another man's treasure. And for sure, I can find a lot of treasure in Hannah's wardrobe. So that kind of exchange amongst friends is really lovely. But also apps like Depop and Vinted. There's a great website that I've been using recently called Swapped, where it's quite literally you send your stuff in and it gets swapped and you pick from the website, which is really cool. On Instagram, I think the hashtag secondhand fashion, anything along those lines, there's a ton of Instagram pages for secondhand clothes. And for me, it's quite a nice way to get on a budget, a fun piece. And if, um, because we're talking about luxury fashion, if anyone's particularly interested in luxury fashion, uh, there's a great one called Vestiaire, which is based in Paris, but it's global. And it's sort of designer only. um, And they really do quality check everything. And by quality check, also checking that they're the real deal and stuff like that. So that's another one to add to the list. Hannah, just going back to your kind of area of expertise, um, is there anything else you want to share with us to think about sustainability? I don't know if there's something within like the behind the scenes or the backstage of fashion that you could tell us. Yeah, as I think I mentioned earlier, sustainability in fashion is so varied. And they often talk about the cycle of clothes. And I think we've spoken a bit about the end of that cycle when someone's actually purchased that item, and maybe when they're ready to get rid of it a little bit. But there is so much that fashion brands are doing and luxury fashion brands, particularly, that is not actually seen, but makes the world a difference. And it's things that you wouldn't even consider. So 
like the brand that I am currently working for um, has has spent a lot of money and time investing in the fields and the workers where our cotton is grown, for example. What pesticides are they using so it doesn't harm the workers when they're working there? How much water are they using? Are there different ways to grow? There's a lot of innovation going on with how do you make product out of recycled products? So there's a few ranges that we've just brought out that are made of completely recycled products from our old products or from plastics or from other things. And then actually at the end of the process, my company doesn't destroy any of the products that they make as a rule. And so because of the branding element, they often can't just get rid of fully finished products. Uh, So they have to find ways to use those products without destroying them. And they work with a lot of artisans all over the world who do creative things like cutting up leather bags that haven't sold and actually reworking them into beautiful woven leather bag pieces and stuff like that. There's been something in prisons where they've been taking bags and being able to fully deconstruct them and then learning it as a skill of how to make a luxury bag of reconstructing these bags and stuff like that. So I think whilst the fashion industry does look so desperate in some ways when it comes to sustainability, there are lots of things that are going on behind the scenes. And again, as I said uh, up front, I think it's it's amazing that actually a lot of the time it's our consumers um, that are so holding us to that higher standard and demanding that innovation and the investment spent on on working all the way through that chain to get the best products that we can with hopefully the least cost for the world. I'm really pleased you brought that up because like you said, we've been looking at the end process and the end of the chain, which we talk about a lot in uh, in general, but it's the beginning of that chain, which particularly in fast fashion is a problem. And it's really great to know that in a lot of areas in fashion, the beginning of the chain is being dealt with. It's happening. So there's been a lot to process in this conversation and it certainly challenged me to think a little more and to consider all the different elements that make up the fashion industry including luxury fashion so I wonder Hannah is there any key takeaways anything else that you wanted to kind of add in at this point as we wrap up our time together today I think the few things I'd want people to take away is probably Yes, it's getting a lot of stick at the moment, not luxury fashion, but fashion, but it is investing a lot. And I think fashion will be here to stay. But the way that we can be sustainable ourselves, and I say this knowing that I personally have a long way to go, as I mentioned earlier, the size of my wardrobe, is being far more conscious uh, with the things that we buy Um, investing in those pieces that we truly feel are like art, as you mentioned earlier, Lou, and then loving them and looking after them. And then for the fashion industry overall, difficult way to sum it up, but we we have just had a conference and we heard from a a brilliant guy called Erwin Ramborg, uh, who studies the luxury fashion industry. And he's just brought out a book called Future Lux. He was absolutely brilliant. One thing he mentioned when asked about the future of luxury fashion, which has really stuck with me, is that he said one avenue that fashion has yet to go into is the secondhand market. We currently have a huge secondhand market, as with all the brands that Holly mentioned earlier, but fashion companies could really get on the bandwagon of that 
and making sure that their secondhand goods are sold in a way and a service in which they want them to be sold. Um, And I think he's right. I think that is a big piece of future for the fashion industry. It's a bit scary um, when you look at it now, but I think there is plenty of room to improve. uh, And I think positively, uh, companies are improving. And, you know, for our part, I think consumers are also improving. And I do think you need both the push and the pull to make something happen in an industry like this. Thank you for coming on and chatting to us. Please do let us know when your wardrobe clear out is happening. Yeah, Hannah, thank you so much. It's been really great to have you uh, join us today for this conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot and there's a lot more to be learned. So we really appreciate your golden insights. Thanks, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, It's allowed me to think about it a bit more myself as well. I know I don't just speak for myself here when I say that I'm excited for the wardrobe clear out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure something will fit me to hear from somebody within the industry really gave me a different perspective to or made me rethink my perspective on fashion in general as well as luxury fashion. Yeah I think for me over the last year or so perhaps up to two years I've become more and more brutalist in my fashion decisions so actually I really enjoy clothes and sort of artistry of that as I said earlier on the conversation and really enjoyed or have enjoyed kind of Uh, representing my personality in that way. But recently, I felt that I couldn't do that without somehow neglecting some of my other values. But that really inspired me to think a little differently, to think a bit more creatively um, about what I can and can't do, or what I feel comfortable doing, and the types of clothing that I might want to buy or be able to buy. Yeah, totally. I've been like you, I've gone to an extreme of fashion is bad, And it was nice to sort of be brought back in a little bit with that conversation. I really appreciated Hannah's honesty and her acknowledgement that fashion isn't great for the environment, but that doesn't mean that we need to throw away completely. And to see how brands are innovating and looking forward with a greener perspective. And so that's it for this week. We're looking forward to coming back with one more guest next week. So we are asking you, if you've enjoyed this podcast, to hit subscribe, to share with people that you know, and to interact with us on social media via Locomotion Luca on Instagram and Roam Away From Home blog. It really makes a difference if you can take the time to click subscribe, because it just means that more people who are interested in this kind of content can find us. So do it. Thank you very much. I'm going to go off and watch The Devil Wears Prada again. Oh, don't. You've inspired me. I'm going to look down my wardrobe. Bye for now.